right, so we have Reese here. He's the mechanical captain at UBC Formula E, but he can probably tell more about himself than I can. So Reese, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, how are you doing? Um, so yeah, my name is Reese, like you said before. I'm the, mechanic, I'm the captain for UBC Formula Electric. Uh, so I am in fourth year of mechanical engineering, but uh, I didn't have too much fun at this school because it's my sixth year of the university here. So I still got two more to go, but almost through it now. Um, yeah, and then within the team itself, uh, I also do most of the chassis and the aerodynamic designs. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's like really popular for engineering students to like extend their degree and stay longer. You guys definitely have a rough degree. So yeah, it's a bit much to do in four years. <laughs> yeah, especially if you do like co-op or anything. Um, so yeah, so how did you first become interested in sustainability? Yeah, so I mean I would say there was necessarily a certain point in my life where I was like very like, all right, no, I'm into sustainability, but I would say my parents definitely instilled it in me quite a bit when I was younger. So I've always grown up with our house being like a block or backing on to a forest uh, or going hiking or just uh, camping with our family on the weekend. So like, it's always kind of uh, been instilled in us in that when you're growing out the environment, you care about the environment, uh, you don't leave a trace, uh, all that kind of side of it. So I've always had a bit of that uh, kind of background in my life, but I feel like I've definitely really noticed it when I got into more of the final years of high school and first year of university when I started working at more uh, working at jobs so specifically uh, when I was working in the restaurant industry and then uh, later on in the ski industry with uh, just working in like a retail shop uh, seeing the amount of just single-use plastics and how much waste we go through uh, it was just like astounding um, how much you go in a day so it just really it was pushed to the forefront quite a bit when I was there that all right, this is this is bad. Like we actually have to start doing something about this, or else things are not going to work out long term for us on this planet. But it's 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 amazing to see even companies that have we'd be selling recycled clothing, but they come in four different bags just to before you put it on the rack. So that's when I think it really became the most obvious. And of course, when I joined the form electric design teams, uh, seeing the potential of electric uh, really just brought it to the forefront of uh, my focus, kind of from there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I also I worked in a grocery store in high school. And like, I was just so surprised how much waste like everything was like thrown out. We didn't even recycle anything. It was all just thrown into one garbage. So yeah, a lot of companies like are really unsustainable. And I think that's really awesome. Because in a way where not that it's awesome that they're unsustainable, but it's awesome that students kind of realize that when they're in high school, and can kind of grow from that. So that's really amazing. Um, so yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about Formula Electric and their mission? Yeah, so um, we're the team then. So we're completely student red. So we're uh, 81 students this year. Uh, we have one faculty advisor. Uh, so the way it works is that we design and build a fully electric race car completely from scratch. So we're not buying... Um, a half finished car and like converting it. So we're buying the tubes, bending them, welding ourselves, making our own PCB. So 95% of the car is completely built in-house, designed by students. Um, and then the end goal of it is every year we compete against universities around the world uh, to just showcase who has kind of like the best car overall between the two events. We have static and dynamic. 
story static events is more of a who has the best design uh and then from a business standpoint it is a why is our card the best card to invest in um and like why it costs a lot of money and like how sustainable it is and then on the dynamic side so classic racing events um a zero to 100 uh skid pad for you to see how much traction the car has uh, an acceleration so fastest lap um and then the final day is endurance so our competition is 22 kilometers uh, and then you basically want to see how fast the car can do it and then how much energy they use throughout the event. So it's how overall efficient it is. I'm just curious, you like have to, do you have to transport the cars like outside of like Vancouver? Yeah. So this last summer we raced in Michigan. So um, we actually had to drive the car across with our truck. Uh, we had to rent a truck, got a trailer, pulled it all the way over there. Uh, and then some of our team members flew ahead and kind of met us over there. Um, yeah, so most of the travel, like, it's all kind of ran completely by students, and we do everything with it ourselves. That's so awesome. That's, like, a long drive, too. Oh, my gosh. You're, like, driving, like, across country. Yeah, that was a long 36-hour <laughs> drive. Yeah, oh, my God. It was not super fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all for, like, good cause. So oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've mentioned that Formula E is working on designing the first full fully fiber monocoque for the 2022 season. So how does that differ from like a traditional monocoque in terms of sustainability? Yeah, so a bit of a difference, you know. So right now we're running what's called a steel space frame chassis. So this is probably what most people would be familiar with when you look at a roll cage or kind of a chassis of any race car. So it's just a bunch of tubes uh, welded up in triangles to make the frame itself. Uh, what we're going towards this year is called a monocoque. Uh, so that is when it's one structure uh, made up as one big piece. Uh, so it's kind of like your life cell. So we're doing fully carbon fiber. So it'll be very similar to what you would see with a Formula One style car, where it's just that one big block of where the driver sits and your legs kind of all wrapped around inside it. Uh, so that's our big focus for this next year. Uh, big game from it is you can choose where you want your strength. It's a much stiffer chassis, which is better for racing. Uh, and it's also much safer and that you don't have those holes in between the tubes where objects can come in and potentially hit the drivers. And you just have a lot more control of just overall the design of where you want to mount things on the car. Um, from the sustainability and more the recycling side of it, it, it can be a bit tougher working with carbon fiber. So at the moment, there's really not great recycling solutions in the carbon fiber industry. And that is an aspect that we are looking at and that trying to come up with solutions um, after we're done with our parts. What do we do with them? What do we do with all of our scraps after that we go through? Because uh, in the process, if you're unfamiliar with it, is, uh, you're going to have this dry fiber that you mix this resin into it. So it becomes like uh, two separate materials kind of bonded into one. Uh, so the issue is when you want to cycle them, now you can't separate them back into two individual components anymore. Uh, so there's like, I've seen many uh, different things with teams cutting them up into making uh, new material for 3D printing or um, making like a different type of carbon fiber spread. So it doesn't really rely on the most uh, high quality uh, carbon fiber layup, if that makes sense. But uh, what we've really been trying to do for our team is trying to reduce how much tooling we use, which is uh, fancy words for composites uh, molds. Um, and that's really where a lot of your extra waste comes from for making these monocoques because your tooling and your mold um, 
requires quite a bit more material and quite a bit more manufacturing before you get to the actual, let's make the monocoque part of it. So what we've been doing is we're making most of our molds be very modular and that we can take off one small portion of it, swap it for a new part to change any little pieces with our body panels, within our wings, our control arms. Uh, that way we can use the same molding for the next four or five years in a row instead of trying to make a new one every single time we make a new part. So there is some downsides definitely going towards the carbon fiber and towards the long-term recycling and that waste side of it, but it's not like a lot of those issues didn't exist with the steel frame either. Um, in reality, that like, you can cut those down and potentially melt them down into metal, but um, you can only ever go so far with recycling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's obviously like better for the planet and the earth. So I guess like you're weighing your pros and cons, but I wish you guys good luck. I think it'll be good. So what do you hope to see um, in the electric race car industry or what do you hope to see them doing in the future to improve their environmental sustainability? Yeah, so I think the one big thing that a lot of you gain from motorsport in general is showcasing the potential of where this technology can go and really pushing the uh, forefront of what this technology is uh, in general. So uh, Formula E is probably the most classic event most team people know about in terms of electric motorsport. It began in 2014, but there's also like a, an off-road Baja um, electric event. There's quite a few other ones around. So the one nice big aspect in a lot of people pick this up right away is electric cars are fast. They're incredibly fast off the line. They don't need gearing as much. So um, just instant torque all the way through the range. But um, where they really start to struggle with is more of the long term range with them because the batteries is really the biggest factor that's holding back a lot of cars. Like if we look in reality, if we've had electric cars before we even had gas cars. Um, electric motors have been around for hundreds of years, well, almost 200 years at this point, but the batteries have just slowly starting to catch up. So seeing um, motorsport really starting to pick up, especially in North America, starting to pick up quite a bit more now these last few years. Um, I'm really hoping we can see the batteries kind of start to really speed up and ramp up. Um, even now, Formula E is looking at... Uh, potentially having fast charging options throughout the race, like a refuel kind of moment. Um, and that'll just really help lighten up the car, make them last longer, make them go faster, um, really like showcase the potential where the cars can go. Because everything that's developed in these often translate into what's going into production cars. So one of the main uh, powertrain uh, sponsors for Formula at the moment is Lucid, uh, and they make electric cars. So they use all the technology for making a really efficient motor, really good batteries, uh, really good cooling. And they try and transfer as much as they can into your road cars itself. Uh, so then the consumer actually gets to see the benefits from that. So I think that's really going to be bring a lot of gains from it. Um, it'd be really exciting if they can make the fast charging really uh, impressive and make the batteries uh, the next big step because I'd like to see an electric car race in the 24 hours of the ones. Um, so for anyone that's not familiar on that, with the uh, race, so it's um, one of the most historic races in all of motorsport. And uh, it races in uh, France, out in Le Mans. Uh, so it's a 24-hour race. Uh, so that means for 24-7, uh, for an entire day, uh, your car is racing. So through the night, uh, it can't stop. It just kind of keeps up with it. So 
this event has always started as a showcase for cars to showcase what the new technology is, where companies are running with their designs and proving that they can make something that can reliably run for 24 hours straight. And I think when you get to the, if you can get to a point where you see an electric car compete all the way through 24 hours of lines at top speeds of 300 kilometers an hour, that's really going to change a lot of people's perspective on, all right, this is truly an option that um, will work for everyone. Because at the moment, really, electric cars do really great in cities. Um, I know there's some of the lucid air cars that do really well with like a, a 800 kilometer range. That's, that's amazing, but they're incredibly expensive still. Uh, so in vehicles that are really affordable for the general consumer, it's really just something you'd see inside the city. But 90% of your driving is in the city anyways. You don't really need the most of the time, you're not going more than 100 kilometers. So having a car with 300 kilometer range is more than enough and can get you with everything you need from it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I That would be so cool. There was like an electric car that would go for 24 hours and like go around. Because like, I know like my friend has an electric car, obviously not a race car, but just a regular car. And like, she can't really go on road trips or anything like the range is obviously a lot smaller so i think yeah like if you could do that within the race car industry i think that would be really awesome again because it would like transfer into like like regular consumer industry i never exactly. thought about that that's like so cool i actually never even thought about that that's awesome um so yeah so we're at our last question now so a lot of our listeners are university students who are likely or hopefully considering buying their first car in the future so can you talk a bit about, I know you kind of already have a little bit, but about the benefits of electric cars as an alternative to fossil fuel transportation, just like in terms of sustainability? Um, yeah, so I'd say the first thing I always say to people interested in electric cars is they're incredibly fun. Uh, it's it, Everyone loves to see a car do a big burnout or big donut in Anyone can do that with electric car because they just have so much insane torque. The second you touch the throttle, the whole thing can start spinning. Um, but the, the immediate issue right away with uh, most EVs are, like I said before, is they're quite expensive. Uh, it's a big upfront cost with it, but then it's long-term, it's a very big benefit from going towards EV. Um, right away, you don't have to pay gas. I'm sure everyone hates their gas prices at the moment, paying like $2 plus, which is ridiculous. Um, where you can fill up your car uh, for ten dollars um, if you're doing an EV car. Um, a lot of that depends on what your rate is, but it will be significantly cheaper. Um, and and then the other benefit going forward with that is you aren't going to have many uh, costs in terms of maintenance. Uh, you don't have to do oil changes. Uh, there's less complex components moving. Um, if you look at an IC or internal combustion engine, it's you're making miniature explosions at 2,000, 3,000 RPM, so 2,000, 3,000 times a minute. Um, that's a lot of wear on an engine, a lot of parts, a lot of things that could break, that can one piece breaks, the rest of the car can't quite run. Um, electric cars are quite simpler in that it just spins. Uh, you put current into the motor and it just spins uh, a shaft and then that moves the car. Uh, there's a lot of complex stuff with electrical work to make stuff work, but there's just less moving parts that can just wear and tear, break. So there's just overall just less long-term maintenance um, from just day-to-day operation with it. Uh, when you're in traffic, you don't idling because you don't. There's no exhaust. Doesn't matter if your car has been sitting on for 24 hours. If it's not moving, 
there's no current uh, current draw to the motors with it. Uh, so it's really great for parking lots, traffic in Vancouver when you're just sitting there forever. You can run your heat and like AC and not really be too concerned about it. So I think that's really one of the big benefits you get from it right away. But um, the reality is, if everyone to EV, we don't have the infrastructure yet at the moment to support that. Uh, BC, we're quite lucky that a lot of our electricity is uh, generated through hydro. Uh, so it's quite a sustainable source to actually still be um, getting energy through. Uh, so we we're pretty so really well here. Um, we're catching up on having some charging locations so you can charge in different spots rather than just your house. Or if you get out into the woods somewhere, you don't have any other options from there. But um, there's a lot of places, even within Canada, especially in the U.S., that still burn coal to power uh, housing electricity and just general electricity there. So uh, that would definitely increase your load on the system by having more EV. So it is definitely a benefit going towards EV from the consumer side, but until the industry catches up with the actual powering the, the grid, um, the long-term solution isn't really quite there yet. But I mean, if more people have EVs, it's really going to force governments to like, all right, we have to make a change. We have to actually power uh, the system some way. We have to do it at some point. Our system's quite old, so... <laughs> We're due for upgrades. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So if anyone's listening and they're at a standstill on the Lionsgate Bridge complaining about gas for two twenty nine, listen to Reese. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's all that we have for today. Um, thanks for coming. 